Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, your favorite sex professionals on the internet. I love we, being a sex professional. Oh my professionals. We are professors and we have PhDs in human sexuality. And that is why we like to come here to talk to you to clear up anything that you might have heard anywhere else that is probably wrong about sex sexual health and relationships. Uh, yeah. So we are sex experts. We are sex. I don't know what else. Sex. Not Therapist isn't the right word. Like we're sex coaches. I think that's like, maybe we should be like your favorite sex coaches on the internet because we're going to coach you into having happier, healthier relationships, um, better sex, better orgasms. We're going to help coach you out of making some bad sexual decisions, you know, avoiding that person you should have avoided. Ugh. All right. I want to start calling you coach and I know you're going to hate this, but I love this now. So coach. <laughs> Get out there on that field and throw that ball towards that thing. <laughs> I, I'm, all, I'm all up on it. Actually, you know, when I, when I was a kid, uh, my parents tried to man me up by making me play baseball a lot. Man you up. Yeah, like, Andrew, you got to man up. I'm like, what? I don't understand what you're talking about. I'm seven. Play baseball. I'm like, ooh, I get to wear a cup and like put on a fun uniform. (laughs) By the way, um, if you are listening to this and someone forced you to play a sport to man you up, I know exactly how you feel. That's not this episode at all, but like, maybe we should do an episode about like telling you know, boys to man up and what it does. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, though you can call me coach as much as you want. I'm, I'll have to come up with a, a fun retort for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but this month, uh, we're talking about sexual honesty and calling me any kind of like that kind of coach would not be sexually honest, but a sex coach, I could handle that. We're talking about sexual honesty. Um, and we're continuing, uh, that conversation. If you check out our Instagram, we're going to be asking you some questions about your experiences with sexual dishonesty. Um, But what's our topic for this week? Spring? So today we're talking about lies of omission. So a lie of omission is when you don't outright lie. So you're not like saying something happened that didn't happen or vice versa. But a lie of omission is when you just don't tell the whole truth. When there's some information you're leaving out. I would like to rephrase this. And you said it's not really a lie. It is totally a lie because you're omitting those details um, to avoid some kind of unpleasant reaction. Um, And sometimes people say they tell lies of omission to spare someone else's feelings. I would say the vast majority of times in my life and in the people I've talked to's life about lies of omission, the only person's feelings you're really sparing are your own, right? Like, so if someone asks me, like, is a lie of omission a lie? I'm like, hard yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk all about these today. We're going to talk about what they are, what's the problem with them, why people tell them, um, what the research says about them, how they might impact you and your relationships. And we're going to get into all these topics. But yeah, let's stay, let's stay on just like what they are a little bit. Like, let's give some examples, I think, because um, sometimes kind of sorting through, there's like at least six different types of lies. I, I was <laughs> looking into the research on this and we could like can categorize them in a lot of different ways. 
So let's be really clear with what we're talking about here when we're saying the live emission. Um, so say that I went on a date last night. It was a really hot date with um, a person and we made out a lot and we didn't have any type of penetrative sex. And um, now I come to tell Andrew about this and I want to tell Andrew what happened on my date last night. So Andrew, ask me what happened on my date. Hey, how was that date with that really hot person yesterday? Oh, it was really great. We had a lot of fun. Well, uh, w- w- where did you go and what did you do? Oh, we went out to the movies, uh, then we went for a walk, uh, then we had um, a snack, and then we went back, we hung out a little bit, and... um and yeah, it was a really good night. And that's a, an example of a lie of omission. And in this case, you know, maybe there's a reason why Spring wouldn't want to tell me she had like a heavy makeout session with this person that she was on a date with. But, you know, if I was in a romantic or intimate relationship with Spring, that really changes that context as well. Um, and we see them pop up in, in, in life all the time. Uh, like I could be on my way home from school um, and I could stop at the arcade or stop and go shopping or stop and visit somebody, and, you know, get home a little bit late. And when someone says, asks like, you know, what did you do on your own home? You could leave out that you did something that you think someone would be upset with with, with you for. Um, like there's all different kinds of reasons that people do them. But most of the time when you're leaving out that detail, um, it, it, it's on purpose. And usually it's to, you know, misrepresent what you've done to somebody else. Um, I think there's the second kind of uh, lie of omission we need to mention too. Um, so sometimes when you're telling a story, or you're talking to somebody, they, they make an assumption about what you say and they'll come back and say like, oh, well, and then whatever it is, and it's wrong. And you choose not to correct them because you like that wrong thing or that wrong thing sounds great or that wrong thing is cool. Um, so like th- there's both sides, right? So sometimes you leave something out. And then the second kind of live emission is if somebody says something that's obviously not true, you you just you just let it go and you don't correct them. Yeah. So it, it's both sides. Um and and at first they do seem kind of like light and they don't seem maybe even like they're lying. Like they're pretty tricky. Uh, because when people use these lies of emission, I don't want to see you tell them. Because it's kind of like you don't tell anybody anything. It's like the opposite of telling a lie. It's like, <laughs> like it's keeping a lie. <laughs> it's like keeping a lie. Um, but they're sneaky because we trick ourselves into thinking we're not actually lying. That we're helping somebody out. That we're lubricating a situation. We're smoothing something over. That we're protecting someone else's feelings. When the vast, vast, vast majority of the time with these lies of omission, we're talking about you protecting yourself at the expense of other people, both in misleading them in a conversation and having them assume something that, you know, isn't necessarily true, or by leaving something out of a conversation that they probably should know, um, especially if you're in a relationship with somebody. So let's go back to that example. Say Andrew is asking me questions about that date last night and say he has a right to know this information. Maybe we're dating or something. And he says, so did you have sex with that person last night? And I say, oh, no, we didn't have any penetrative sex. And that is not a lie, right? I I stated that that was in fact what happened, but I didn't tell him, oh, we had this hot, heavy makeout session, right? So I am leaving that out because I'm worried about what that information is going to do in some way. And so a lot of times um, 
especially in romantic relationships, people are using these lies of admission because they don't want to get into a fight. They're afraid that there's some type of conflict that uh, this information is going to bring up, right? So as a way of avoiding this conflict, they're saying, okay, instead of communicating this information, I'm just going to leave this information out and hopefully we're going to be fine. I mean, conflict avoidance is a strategy that people use in their everyday life to get out of difficult or or complicated or hard to have conversations. But the bad part of using conflict avoidance is that the vast majority of time conflict avoidance leads to more conflict down the road because conflict avoidance doesn't do anything constructive to deal with whatever that issue is. Um, And I think we should talk a little bit about a little more about why people tell them or why people use lies of emissions and really where they come from most of the time, because I think pretty much everybody does it. Um, and I mean, when I think about it, often people do it because of fear, right? Like they, they, they tell the lie of emission or they use that emission or they use that kind of like blank space, um, because they're afraid of making somebody else upset because of what they did, right? That's where lies of emissions come from. Like, Ooh, I did something that I think that they'll think is bad and they'll get mad at me or they'll yell at me or they'll judge me or maybe there's a punishment that's involved if this is like with an authority figure. Um, So you do it because you're afraid, afraid of consequences for an action that you took. (laughs) So you avoid taking any further action (laughs) to inform people about it. Right. And these feelings that are driving this can be really strong, right? Fear, guilt, shame, all of these things when we experience them feel overwhelming. And so it makes a lot of sense. You know, we have these intense feelings come up and then we are feeling so so afraid of like any further repercussions from these feelings or feeling these feelings more. We get really in our heads about like deciding what will happen next when we provide this information that we're trying to hide, that we make up all of these things that we think could potentially happen. And that's one of the things I think we want to just stop and say right there that, you know, when we are imagining the um, what will happen when we provide this information, it's often a lot worse than the reality. And it's this like, over-exaggeration in our minds of what we think will happen. Um, so we start to just leave pieces of information out, uh, a, a fear fear of what we have built up in our minds, right? Like it's not fear of reality. It's fear of this imaginary situation we've created. And Spring and I have been talking about sex scripts over episodes over like the entirety of the sex trap over the last four or five years. And a lot of the sex scripts that we have for men and women, if you act outside of it, like, you know, women are supposed to be puritanical. They're not supposed to enjoy sex. They're not supposed to have a lot of sexual partners, according to the sex scripts that we have. If a woman acts outside of that at all, she has a lot of guilt guilt sorry I, I my brain tried to put shame and guilt as the same word and i i couldn't say it at the same time schmilt um a lot of guilt and shame right and those lies of emissions come out with someone trying to better fit that role of the sex script right and it happens in lots of other areas of our lives as well um and it at the end of the day though we know that like there's a lot of damage that we do to ourselves and our relationships with 
the, these kind of feelings. Um, and like Spring said, a lot of the time it's in our heads. Like we're afraid of something that's not going to happen if we were honest about it, or that guilt and the shame isn't rooted in reality. It's it's rooted in you know the way that we think that we want the world to perceive us. Um, but those are really powerful emotions. Uh, if we think about a lot of the choices that we make in our day to day life, it's about wanting people to think highly of us or wanting to have a, a good reputation. And often these lies of omission are about maintaining that. Like, how do we get people to still respect us? How do we get people to still like us? Um, but they can be uh, said in a lot of other situations um, that are more damaging. And Spring and I have talked about them for years, talking about like, you know, defining the relationship, that that messy point that people have between like, are we casual? Are we more than casual? Are we dating? Are we steady? Are we monogamous? Um, I think that's one of those areas where we see a lot of these lies of omission, people trying to protect themselves um, from things that probably wouldn't happen even if they did. I think there's one other kind of one other major reason why people tell these lies of omission, though. Um, and and it, they can be really manipulative, right? You, you're trying to manipulate a person, a situation, a group of people, manipulate the outcome of a situation. You're using that omission as a means. Like, I, I want this to be the outcome. So I'm just going to totally fabricate a situation because if there's enough lies of omission, if you're telling a lot of them or not telling a lot of truth, right? Because a lie of omission is averting the truth. So if you're leaving the truth out of a story, you're creating a fantasy. And that fantasy can really be devastating to the people around you. And, you know, I think that this other reason isn't necessarily like the motivating reason behind it, like these other things we've been talking about, like the um, guilt and shame and fear and things. But it's a kind of secondary reason why people um, don't tell the whole truth, why they're using lies of omission. And that's because they don't want to lie, right? They have this idea that telling a lie, this like um, other form of uh, lying. So we're saying this is lying too, but telling a lie where you're explicitly giving wrong information, um, that seems a lot worse. So people have this kind of secondary motivation where they're like, okay, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to do this. I'm, And then they can kind of see themselves as um, a a good person, right? Like that's what this whole thing is about. Like, I don't want to be seen as a bad person. I don't want to lie. Um, so I'm going to do this instead. I'm not going to tell the whole truth. They say that the truth will set you free. Um, you know, cheesy quotes. Ugh, like if you're one of those people who puts quotes up on your wall, maybe that's one of them. But there is a lot of truth to that quote. Um, because the lies that we tell and the reasons that we tell them really do trap us. Um, and uh, there are a lot of problems with these lies of omission as well. So we'll talk about those uh, after we take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to today's episode. We're talking about lies of omission. You're in the month of sexual honesty, or today we're talking about sexual dishonesty. Um, and I think it's really important for us to talk about some of the problems with these lies of omission, because like Spring said a few minutes ago, um, people tell these lies of omission because they don't feel like they're really lying, right? They're leaving something out or they're letting somebody, you know, make an assumption and not correcting it. I'm not lying. You know, I just didn't 
didn't tell you the whole truth, um, but they're still really damaging. Um, and I think we should talk about some of the, the reasons why they can really hurt uh, you and the relationships around you. Um, and when I look at them, you know, from 10,000 feet really broadly, these lies of omission are a breakdown, right? Like a disruption of healthy, meaningful communication. And communication is what good relationships are all about. If you've been listening to episodes of the podcast, Spring and I constantly are saying like, the solution to this problem is communication. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. <laughs> and it's the answer to these lies of omission as, as well, uh, in a very direct way. Like, um, But if there are lies of omission, especially if there are a lot of lies of omission happening, happening, and if you notice them happening, it means that you're having pretty negative or poor communication with this person, that there's lots of dishonesty, probably not a lot of trust, probably a lot of fear, guilt, and shame, which means you're probably in a pretty unhealthy relationship with them. I would say lies of omission are a pretty good measuring stick for uh, health of a relationship, right? The more of them there are, like the less healthy or successful that your relationship is. And I want to talk about a study here that was done um, with 80 romantically involved uh, male and female uh, university students. This was done in Australia and um, they had all of these scenarios they had to read. And so one of the findings was that um, they were judging lies of omission um, just like the other lies as morally reprehensible. Um, and they th- and these were on axes of blame, guilt, and dishonesty. So when reading all of these situations, people are looking at them and yeah, that it isn't actually any better. People judge these lies of omission just as strongly. And they also found that these were correlated with diminished relationship satisfaction. So the more lies of omission that are happening, the less satisfied they are in their relationships. So we see from the research that there are real problems. People do think these are real lies. So, so that's one thing I'm trying to say is don't, fool yourself into saying like, this isn't a real lie, like that people judge these as real lies. (laughs) And it's really going to hurt the satisfaction of your relationship. So these things, Andrew was just saying, he's talking about like, how problematic they can be in the relationship. And yeah, like not only are you not able to fully communicate with each other and not able to really get to whatever issues are bothering you or to get to the agreements that will make you both or all feel happy in the relationship, but it's just going to keep chipping away at how happy you are in the relationship. And I think, you know, that you can think about that and, and just inherently, like you just know that, right? Like whenever you're not telling someone something, you start to feel bad. You start like, even if you on the outside are still like moving along with everything, you're going to feel bad. It's going to make you less likely to want to talk to that person, less likely to want to hang out with them, less likely to engage with them, right? And then like all of a sudden, your relationship satisfaction is going down, down, down. And like it, there's also what's happening on the other side, right? But like, even just internally, you can easily say like, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to affect the health of this relationship. I mean, if you're hanging out with anybody, and you find out that they're lying to you, and then you find out they lie to you again, what happens to your trust, right? Trust is one of those cornerstones of healthy relationships, friendships, any kind of relationship you're having at all. Um, And the kind of damage that these lies of omission do, and they are lies, right? Like you might not think you're lying, but everybody who finds out that you're doing it, 
they're all going to think you're lying. That's what that's what Spring was talking about. Everyone around <laughs> you will perceive it as a full out lie. Um, once you damage that trust in a relationship, it's really hard to build back. Build back. Um, and the other thing that happens is someone says, well, if they're keeping one secret, right? And this is a negative secret. We all keep positive secrets, like things that we keep like core to ourselves. But this is a negative secret. If you don't tell me one thing, what else aren't you telling me? Right. And if we look at really unhealthy relationships, this is really what we see. Um, and I want to reiterate again, um, admitting something isn't about sparing someone else's feelings. It's not about helping somebody else. It's about you. Right. You're trying to protect yourself from looking bad or protect yourself from different consequences for your actions. It is intrinsically selfish. You're trying to control the outcome of a situation. You're trying to change the outcome because, you know, you did something wrong. You know, you screwed up. You know, you did something, said something, went somewhere, spent something, bought something, touched someone, did something. Like you, you did something you know has negative consequences attached to it. And then instead of dealing with that consequence, right, instead of being an adult, instead of like trying to make up for what you did, you just sort of leave it out and hope that nothing bad happens. Hint. <laughs> it always comes out. It's always, it's always comes out. And something bad will happen. And it's going to be much worse than if you had just told the whole truth. That is, that is just exactly what's going to happen. Because there's going to be a time later on when someone is going to meet someone else who knows more information or someone's just going to let something out or you're going to let it out because you forget what you uh, told and didn't tell. And it, it always comes out. And that's, that's the thing that you really actually want to prevent, right? So knowing that the future you would prefer that you just told the truth now, I think is really valuable information. Like, like just know that if you don't tell this whole truth now, it's going to eat away at you. It's not going to feel good unless you're a psychopath. If you're a psychopath, sure. <laughs> it'll probably be, it'll turn out for you. Well, and keeping these kind of secrets is actually hard on you. There's, you know, research and evidence that shows that keeping secrets increases your stress. It means that you're more likely to have anxiety, anxiety issues. It's more likely to cause sleep issues because you'll ruminate it at, ruminate about it at night. It'll just be in your head and you'll be afraid that it comes up. It can literally make you physically ill and make your immune system less able to handle, you know, colds and flus and sicknesses around us. And we're not talking about keeping someone else's secrets. These are, these, this is about you keeping your own. And on top of it, like deep down, if you're telling these lies of omission, it makes you like, you know that you're being inauthentic, right? Like there's no authenticity in your communication. You're essentially a fake friend or a fake partner. You're a fraud. Um, and you know all of these things as you tell these lies of omission. Uh, and like Spring said, like it doesn't do anything to make your life or the other people's lives better. It's back to that, you know, a form of, of uh, conflict avoidance. But that issue still exists in the future. Like your lie of omission prevents anything from getting better. Right. It's this it's, it's this temporary. It only lasts, you know, in that moment. Sure. Oh, phew, I made it. Oh, no one's mad at me. Oh, no one's calling me names. Oh, everything's fine. I didn't get caught. But it's temporary because there's nothing's happened to make that situation better other than that momentary reprieve. Let me tell you the coolest thing about lies of omission. Um, they're pretty easy to correct. 
So like, if you told a lie of omission, you haven't like said the opposite information. You just didn't tell someone something. So you can correct it anytime. Like you actually can just say, you know, I should have told you this earlier and I, I was feeling a little uncomfortable, so I didn't. So I want to clear it up now. And, um, that's one thing that's really great about the lies of omission. You can just clear it up. You don't have to wait for it to come out. You don't have to let it keep eating at you. You can just say, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I didn't tell you this sooner. I want to tell you this. Or there's just more to the story. Wait, 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 wait. There's more. I I have something else that I need to tell you about whatever it was. Like there's more to the story. Um, There's always more to the story, right? So build it into more of the story. Correcting isn't that hard. And if someone makes a wrongful assumption, it's really easy to be like, oh, wait, no, I I totally had sex with that person or whatever the assumption was, like you can correct it then and there and you can come back to it a little bit later. I love that Spring said like, you know, I was a little uncomfortable at the time. Uh, Everybody understands that kind of discomfort. Everybody understands, you know, wanting to fit in and and smooth things over as well. Um, Yeah. All right. So the other thing, so you can correct these at any time. Um, If you're in a relationship, whether it is a friendship or a romantic relationship with someone else, and you suspect that they are um, having lies of omission come up for them, uh, it's hard to say because they're not saying the lie of omission. The the language here is difficult. Um, If someone else is doing this often, um, one of the ways that you can help... uh, get through this with them is you can ask them really direct questions. Um, so direct questions are pretty effective in curtailing lies of omission. So there was a study that was looking at negotiations and they said, you know, the more direct questions you ask, then, um, people just can't leave that information out. So, you know, if, um, we go back to that scenario at the beginning where I uh, left out the information that I had this hot makeout session and say, Andrew asked me if I had sex and I said no. And then he's like, well, did you even make out with them? And then I would have to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. And if you've, even if I was feeling uncomfortable about it, um, I'm probably at least knowing me, I'm less likely to directly lie about it, right? I, a lie of omission is a lot easier to do. So um, so if you suspect that somebody is having, you know, some of these lies of omission, if they're having trouble communicating with you, try including some more direct questions because that can make it a little bit easier to facilitate that process. I've definitely been in situations where um, I've been communicating with a partner and they haven't wanted to tell me things. And I could like just kind of observe that there's a little discomfort. And so I just started asking really direct questions and it kind of sucks to have to do that. Like it, it feels like I wish you could have just told me that without me asking you, but it is going to help uh, get the conversation ball rolling. So if you feel like someone's doing that to you, that's a really great tactic. Like just start asking some really direct questions to keep that conversation going. If we look at like the happy, healthy relationship, friendship, family relationships, romantic partner or partner relationships, there's a couple things that you need to have. And one of them is vulnerability, right? And in that vulnerability, there are moments where lies of omissions get rid of it completely, right? Like it's essentially you saying like, I'm not willing to be vulnerable with you. Um, And you also need to have some level of courage in your all of your relationships. Um, 
And that courage is about being authentic, right? Everybody screws up. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does things that they're not proud of. Everybody has vices. Spring and I talked about secret single behaviors. We all do, like, there's all, there's parts of us that that we don't love. We don't love 100% of us we're not proud of. But in the healthiest and strongest and the best relationships that we share with people, that vulnerability and authenticity with a side of courage, right, really move <laughs> us to the point where we don't need to have that kind of live emission because we've built a relationship with the person who is going to like us or even love us with mm. all of our gross weirdness and the mistakes that we make, right? Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect except for Mary Poppins and me. Um, <laughs> but, right, lies of emission when you do them, like they're poisonous and they sit there and they fester and they end up hurting you and sabotaging all of the relationships in your life. So, if you've been getting away with those lies of omission, I'm going to challenge you from this point forward to not leave out that detail or to rope somebody in and practice being vulnerable. And vulnerability is hard, right? Vulnerability means somebody can get in there and hurt you. Vulnerability means you've put those shields down. Vulnerability means your authentic self is out there for the world to see. But the rewards of that happy, healthy, successful better sex, better orgasms, better relationships, healthy relationships, you'll be a better friend, right? So that's a big ask, but it's a skill that you start practicing. Um, just like you practice those lies of omission, you got to start working in the opposite direction and put yourself out there and work on being vulnerable so you can have those real authentic human relationships with everybody around you. And it will make all of them better. I mean, yeah, I just... I just want to tell you how much I love doing this podcast with you. I just like feel the need to like give you more information about my life right now. I'm like, what can I tell you, Andrew? Hi, let's be vulnerable. <laughs> and, and Spring and I have been practicing vulnerability for a very long time. But um, no, I mean, this is one of the things that's near and dear, dear to me as a human being. And I, I love that we have this opportunity to sit and chat with other people about the things that really get in the way of what what love is. And um, I mean, we, we have episodes coming up next year. That's how far in advance we've scheduled. We're going to be talking about like, why is love so hard? And what is love? And um, <laughs> but but this is part of it, right? Like good love, good relationships are about avoiding lies of omission and, and being honest. Um, and the other side of that is, you know, like that, that courage, courage is sexy. Like people like when you're courageous in yourself and the little things that you don't like or the things that you're hiding, you know what? Like you can make yourself a little bit better. Anyway. And, and the other side of that is also empathy so that, you know, when someone is communicating something that you can tell is difficult for them to tell you, you know, they're uncomfortable telling you, maybe they're afraid of how you're going to react. How can you respond with compassion and how can you make that easier so that they continue to be their full selves with you. I mean, right. We all have to get better at both sides of it as well. When someone reveals a part of themselves, it's trying to stay out of judgment, feel with them, connect to their emotions. This sounds like self-help. It is. <laughs> all right. Do you have any final what you, thoughts? What do you think we're doing here? <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? I realize I just had like a four minute, like entire rant. Um, I, I'm, I'm done, everybody. Stay courageous, stay authentic, stay vulnerable, uh, be true to yourself, uh, and be, and you'll have healthy relationships. That's where it comes from. That, that's all. Yeah. Self help is sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
you aren't born we we aren't born perfect right we're born terribly flawed in beautiful ways so yeah all right well if you have any questions about this episode or any other questions about sexual health or relationships or really anything else Brig and I would love to chat with you um you can email us questions where the sex wrap at gmail.com. Um, you can call us at 413 IRAP it, and you can check out our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can DM us on any of those platforms at the sex wrap. That's wrap with a W. Bye. <laughs> I was waiting for Spring to say goodbye. All right. <laughs> for everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just two of music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.